You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 78, November 3rd. Steve, uh, I'm out in Arizona, but unfortunately, it is not for first pitch. I am uh, desperately close, but out here on a work trip and got to get back for another commitment. Uh, so we're way far away from each other right now, but got a great show lined up talking about the little uh, Halloween theme, Trick or Treat, Was It Legit in 2022? Love the topic, Steve. Love to be uh, connecting with you and talking about baseball and not uh, Caterpillar machinery out here on this work trip. How's it going, man? Yeah, it's good, man. Um, I know we texted, you know, just talking topics and figuring out logistics since you're you know a further time zone away and it being the off season and whatnot but i i really meant to give you a much harder time for you being in arizona during Mm -hmm. first pitch and not going to first pitch or just catching a fall league game whatever you know go see your boy jordan walker who's hitting a home run like seemingly every night now uh you know i'm gonna have to i'm not gonna let you live this one down but uh, you know understand that uh Life gets in the way sometimes, especially when we have to uh, scramble to record a podcast here. Listen, it's unforgivable. Um, I'm I'm two hours away from where most of the action is okay, happening. Okay, so I, you're I, not like you're not that close. It's still yeah. Yeah, I'm not right there. It's like and, you're in uh, Scottsdale or anything like that, or, or exactly. close to I, Surprise or wherever, you know. I did look up uh, Tucson, who I, I know formerly had a team. I, it was kind of a tough Google, but there were no games scheduled here, which I, I would have been all over. But anyway, yeah, um, you know, we're struggling through this mountain time time zone. I don't know why they're sometimes like three hours behind you, sometimes two hours, but yeah, we're doing the savings, thing. Yeah. It's hard enough yeah. to get on the same schedule when you know I'm normally Eastern and you're Central. You know, I know, I could I always know the time <laughs> in St. Louis because we record a podcast together. But yeah, another time zone. It's a real uh, it's a curveball, uh, pun intended. It is, and we're going to be talking curveballs today, Steve. That was my bad segue. Uh, <laughs> but we we've got a, a fun show topic. When you threw it out, I was a big fan of leaning into the Halloween season with a little trick or treat. To basically say, uh, of these high-performing players, whether they were breakouts or just kind of did what we were hoping they would, is it legit and is it a a treat for 2023 or are we running a risk that it was a trick? So a lot of fun. Love the episode. Love having the listeners here with us every every, uh, two weeks. Up until February after the Super Bowl, you guys can find us on here. Of course, follow us on Winds Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav8818. But housekeeping aside, Steve, I'm interested to hear your take on the topic. This is still very early in the offseason where we're kind of formulating opinions. So I think it's a good one. Yeah, these are always, I don't know about you, but these are always the toughest players for me to gauge. Whether it's one good year, one bad year, maybe the bad year is a little bit, you know, you could find a narrative and reasons as to why someone's underperforming. Like someone today asked in the Discord about Trevor's story, and I forget who it was, but they put out a tweet, like, just about what Trevor's story went through last year. Just a new team, uh, got hit by a pitch, um, I think 
was like super sick or something else happened early in the season uh, and then got hit in the head, uh, had another injury. So like everything that could go wrong, like, so you could easily talk yourself, Oh, like obviously story was horrible last year. All these things happened, but for guys that we talk about that are like pop up or have career years, it's like, all right, did they, especially when the underlying skills don't change that much? Like, is this all luck? Is there something that actually changed? It's it's the hardest profile or you know quote unquote breakout for me to gauge each year. So I'm glad yep. we're tackling this as like our first true off season player analysis. You know, another thing I like about it, Steve, is the it feels like you know fast forward from now till February when we're in the throes of all the industry draft trends and everybody's got kind of their their flag plant sleepers and all that stuff. The names here, I think with the exception of two or three, are kind of names that you might get faced with in a draft room, and they're the ones that you kind of look at twice, and you're like, ooh, do I have a strong opinion one way or another on this guy? Like, they're not all, you know, screaming breakout Mm -hmm. or screaming bust. They're ones that, like, you kind of conveniently ignore because you don't know what to make of it. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, you sometimes just pass them over because you don't know what to do with them, and, you know... uh, you like two years ago or whatever, you know, even, even in season, like Brandon jury, like I just passed over. Cause like, even if he had a hot week, it's like, Oh, that's Brandon jury. But I didn't even give it a second thought, right. Like to, yep. to pick it up and, and get that great year. Like a guy that we'll talk about in a little bit. So I'm um, excited to get into it and break down some names. Well, let's do it. And I, I, I want to start out with one that, <laughs> Of course, after we say that, this is a name that's going to be talked about a lot, and for good reason, and it's Nathaniel Lowe, who is also going to have a little bit of tax on him. So in our pitcherless uh, 12-team mock draft that we did, kind of our too early mock, uh, Lowe went at, let's see, it was middle of the sixth round, so that was basically pick 66, which... Again, last year at this time, you would have been like, what? He's going there? But Nathaniel Lowe is a guy that, to your earlier point on did they make some changes, we saw a different Nathaniel Lowe last year. We batted 302, 27 homers, solid counting stats with the, the 150 runs plus RBIs combined. Uh, you know, when you can get nearly 30 homer power with a 300 average, and we've talked about how oh, first base can kind of be sneaky shallow this year. Nathaniel Lowe is definitely one that you're going to have to have an opinion because if you do want him, it's it's popping up in like the sixth round in that range. So talk to me about Nathaniel Lowe, Steve, and let's let's try to wait, work our way toward the Halloween trick or treat analysis here. Yeah, uh, and we talked about it, I think, on, on, the, on the show about the mock draft last week. Nate Lowe's like kind of like a parachute first baseman, right? Like we had that. I don't know if we stole that term from somewhere. Or like you know, you see like right, all these top right. first basemen go, and then it's like, oh crap, I got to grab a first baseman, and Nate Lowe's there. Um, I don't know if he was after like before Jose Abreu, maybe right in the same range where he goes, and people are panicking. He, yeah, for first he went. Base. He went two rounds earlier. So you're two right, rounds Steve, earlier. Like, Matt Olson yeah. went middle of the third, and then after so he's Nathaniel the next one. Lowe, yep. Yes, and he's then the after him, baseman. there was two rounds later in, in mm-hmm. round nine. So you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. But continue. But you know, there's been a lot to like about Nate Lowe, specifically his barrel rate throughout his career. It's 
His lowest was last year at 9.5, which is still pretty good. Uh, this year was up at uh, 9.9%, which is a 68 percentile uh, barrel rate. So not bad, but you know he paired that with uh, an 89 percentile max exit velocity, 75th percentile hard hit percentage, and it's going to lead to the good numbers that you see this year. Mm-hmm. What changed, or you know what what you would I think look at to say, hey, this is a, a treat, not a trick is the launch angle that was a problem in 2021 he had a five degree launch angle um so despite him hitting the ball hard last year there just wasn't a translation to power and i think he had what like uh he had 18 home runs and a 264 average so for first phase very middling bumped that up to the 9.8 percent of this this year or or, uh sorry 8.2 percent of this this year that leads to a 27 homer, you know, 302 average sort of uh, a breakout there, um, and, and it's backed up a bit too. The XBA was 275, so sure that might be a little lucky, uh, but it doesn't scream that oh this guy should hit like 250. You'd easily still take Nate Lowe's yes. season if he hit 275, right? Yeah, I think that's. When I'm looking at the the broader landscape for first baseman, it seems like, you know, you're going to be able to get the power, right? Like, if you wait, you're going to get a Rowdy Telez who, you know, should be like a true 30, 35 homer guy. The trade-off is the average is plummeting. So even if Lowe does round out as like a true 270, 75 guy, that's a big difference if he's 30 homer pop. Um, and to, to echo your point on the launch angle, which still you'd like to see that come up a little bit, but... It's all telling a cohesive story where the the ground ball rate dropped off from 54.5% to 48%, traded all that out for line drives, which is going to help the, of course, help, help the launch angle there. But then when you look at his run value against pitch types, the slider, he had a positive 14 run value in 2022. And in 2021, it was just a four. So he raised that significantly. What that means for actual numbers is he batted 219 against sliders in 2021, batted 330 against sliders last year. And so it's, a, like, it's a slider league, so if you're going to make an improvement on a pitch, that's a, a great one to do it on, right? Yeah, and it's one where, you know, that they're hanging in the zone. You can kind of, you know, golf ball those or at least do some some line drives that will help the batting average. So overall, I mean, it's really tough to quantify, like, the draft day, like what round and how soon is too soon. But I think we're kind of leaning toward this being uh, a treat. Yeah, and I think it's an okay move to make. Hey, if you miss out on that Olsen tier, like, uh, uh, you know, is for you. I know they went two rounds separate in a two round difference in, in the mock draft, but Abreu or Nate Lowe? Uh, I know Abreu still is a free agent and who knows where he's going to be and is older, but who, who are you going with there? Yeah, I mean, the, the lineup context will be interesting there for Abreu I think it's like the fact that he only had 15 homers across 157 games I think like the average discrepancy like if Abreu is a 290 guy and Lowe is a 275 guy I think I gotta lean low so so I'm okay with that now whether that's a, a two round jump who's to say but Lowe you know Abreu you have to factor in to some extent that he's gonna be 36 so it's like yeah, I, I think I'm liking the 27-year-old low yep, on prime, that one, pa- uh, You know, 
power peaks at that age, I'm with you. Yep. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk about, um, you know, a, another first baseman. It'll be interesting to put that in context. But the next one I wanted to, to hit on, who's another name that we've talked about a little bit. I promise we'll get to the ones that are a little bit more uh, under the radar. But Dansby Swanson is definitely one that I could see kind of falling to a point where a lot of managers are like, oh, man, I have to take him here, right? Because he had a phenomenal season, but there's a little bit of skepticism, which is why we're putting him under the microscope here. So Swanson, in case you missed it, fantastic year, batted 277, 25 homers, 18 steals for the power-speed combo there. Pretty much 100 runs, 100 RBIs. So right out of the gate, I think we were talking about him as a top 25-by-5 guy in terms of how they finished last year. But in our PL mock, Swanson went 81. So a huge discount there. I know there's a little uncertainty on where he'll end up, but it's worth the analysis, Steve, because some of the numbers under the radar are calling into question. So you got the, the 277 batting average, but the XBA beneath that was a 257. So a big 20-point drop there. In terms of the plate skills, we didn't really see any crazy improvement. In fact, the dude, K's actually went up slightly. The dude, walks like went like looking down at slightly. his numbers. Sorry to interrupt, but like yeah, yeah. For the last since basically 2018, like it's the it's eerily similar every same guy. year. Or sorry, 2019 when he bumped the barrel rate up to to 10. percent It's the yeah. same thing every single year it's scary how similar all of his numbers are it is he's the same guy and and yeah like if you want to look at the good stuff for swanson it was the best launch angle of his career by a little bit the hard hit rate went up 3.6 percent which is not insignificant but the biggest thing which is a volatile thing is that he attempted 25 steals last year and got caught stealing seven times so 25 steals he attempted this past year. In 2021, that number was cut in half at just 12 attempted steals. Contract so year, a, he was going he was going as much as he could, and then yeah. once he signs a new deal, he is not going to be going as much. I think you can pencil in for basically what he was from 2019 to 2022. You know, 25 homers, 250 to 270, uh, uh-huh. 75. Seven to the, ten seven steals. Seven to ten steals. But hey, no, yep. you know, the, the bases are getting bigger. Maybe he, he, That's true. he could make that more like a 12 to 15. So I still don't think it's a trick uh, to, to put it in a player a little game. But uh-huh. I think that was the peak Dansby Swanson year. But I still think he's a really good shortstop for fantasy. So it's at least baked in uh, on our too early mock here where he went 81st overall. So let, let's just play the game real quick because, uh, let's see, after Swanson, ooh, huge three-round gap until Carlos Correa went, but O'Neill Cruz and Wander Franco went right next to Swanson. Does this overall feel like kind of the right range, Steve, in terms it, of position? It does. I mean, Correa is like a better hitter and just a real-life mm-hmm. player, but he just doesn't steal bases, and sometimes it seems like he's, you know, it would be impossible for Gray to hit more than like 25 homers, despite how good of a hitter he actually is. Whatever. He's a much better real life player than fantasy Correa is. So I think there just might be a tax on Swanson because of the steals that I don't think will be there next year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, 
as long as as long as the discount is baked in, we got to see where he ends up, right? Cause yeah, I think for sure. The if counting stats are if such he a signs thing back with him. the Braves, like the the cost might go up just because lineup context. He's going to lead off for one of the best lineups in the league. It's yep. comfortable there. You know, it's a good ballpark to hit. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's keep moving. You mentioned Brandon Drury, Steve. So, take the floor here. But Drury, obviously. Uh, I mean, he was kind of a, a certainly a first half All Star, but pretty much a breakout uh, throughout the whole year. When you look at the final line, twenty eight homers, batted two sixty three, good counting stats, and at a uh, tough shallow position again. So, talk to me about Drury. What you're thinking? I totally agree. When you threw his name on the rundown, this is going to be one that is kind of a head scratcher on what to make of. He had by far the best bow rate of his career. Uh, the highest max EV since his age 23 season in 2016. Uh, had the best walk rate uh, at 6.7% since 2018, which was just, uh, you know, uh, a, a limited number of, of, of plate appearances here. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, and just 86 plate appearances in 2018. So, there's a lot under the hood that show that it's, it's legit. It's definitely easy to write off, oh, hey, you know, it was his age 30 season, uh, sort of out of nowhere and, you know, uh, easy to sort of gloss over. But, I mean, a 10.4% power rate uh, after he, you know, barely clipped nine one year in 2019. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think that. He's this 260, 800 OPS guy, but I think he might be sort of what the 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 X stats saying, like a two forty, four twenty slug, uh, you know, maybe a seven fifty OPS, which is a fine corner. Um, it, it just might be depending on cost. You know, I buy him as a useful corner infielder. I guess is a, a, my long winded way of saying that. Uh, I, I wouldn't just write him off. Like I think Brandon Jury is a, a useful useful depth piece. Maybe not in a twelve teamer, but in a fifteen teamer for sure. Yeah, and again, I think you're seeing the the discount here. If if it reflects our mock draft, he went 151 overall, which in a twelve team was let's see what round the third middle of the thirteenth round. So you're not you're not being asked to sign up for what he did last season overall which is probably correct because he had a he had a pretty rough second half and I know we always talk about the pressing mm-hmm. there was clearly some weird stuff going on at the Padres in general but yeah first half with the Reds an 864 True. OPS and then the second half with the Padres a 725 OPS so a massive slide there maybe but, maybe a cheap way of doing it is to sort of cut the difference I know Cincinnati's yeah. an amazing place to hit uh, San mm-hmm. Diego is not, and basically everyone that went there besides Manny Machado this year really couldn't hit. I mean, even Juan Soto wasn't Juan Soto in, in San Diego. I think Josh Bell hit like under 200 from the trade when he had a great first half. So um, maybe not knock him as much as you you would think for for that second half in San Diego. I'm assuming he's a he's a free agent uh, this yes. year. Yes, he, he is. is. So. Again, I guess we'll have to see where uh, where, where uh, he ends up, but could be an interesting name for sure. 
um, mm. for a team to take a flyer on them. Yeah, yeah. I think as long as you're signing up for, you know, 20, I mean, assuming he has the playing time, 20, 25 homers, yeah, that might be on the high end, 800 OPS. Yeah. 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 I mean, he went on the binge, 18 in the first half. I guess that was with Cincinnati. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's tough. But, um, okay, so I think that one is a, a trick on I think, the yes, overall final stat verdict line. trick for, for him. Trick. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about a, a first baseman and Christian Walker, Steve. So we've talked about Drury eligible, uh, Nate Lowe. Christian Walker is just kind of this uh, oatmeal graduation because I think he's going to be kind of a sleeper name, kind of like we saw with C.J. Crone a couple years back. Walker, man, uh, 242 average, 36 bombs. Couple couple steals for good measure and eighty four runs, ninety four RBI, even with Arizona. So there's a lot to like with Walker. I think uh, you know beneath the hood when you look at the barrel rate at eleven point five percent, pretty much doubled from what he did the year before. The XBA on top of that two forty two average was a two fifty seven. So now you're looking at a guy who potentially could even contribute an average if things fall his way who's a 35 homer bopper hitting right in the the heart of an order what are your thoughts on christian walker here steve i think there's uh, some optimism oh yeah absolutely i think this is an easy treat for me um especially after you know being so in on him early last season and being hesitant to pick him up in a lot of leagues when i should have just listened to my own advice but you know, we talked about how the batted ball metrics in the first half, uh, despite him having uh, some good power numbers, uh, that he was getting unlucky, especially with balls in play. Uh, he had just a 204 average in the first half, but in the second half he hit 285. So wow. he had 14 homers in, you know, uh, f- like 80 less plate appearances, um, 73 less plate appearances. It's like a league-winning uh, uh, second half. There. Yeah, he still had 14 homers compared to the 22 in, in the first half, so the pace was was right on there. Um, maybe not exactly with the power, but pretty damn close. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that's just a, a monster second half, and I think that's sort of more of what he was – it made up for what he, he deserved, right? Like it, it kind of split the difference and. I just think Walker has a, a, a great profile. There, there was clearly something going on that he fixed mechanically from 2020 and 2021 when he had just that 6.4% power rate. And then it was back in line with 2018, 2019 when he was this, you know, useful fantasy power asset from, from first base, from first base. Like he had, you know, 29 homers in, in, uh, in 2019 and was sort of this, this popular breakout pick, uh, yeah, and, and didn't really follow through in the shortened season in and, and, and 2021. But this year, it, it all sort of came together. And, you know, he, on top of that, he had the best, you know, plate skills-wise, plate discipline numbers of his career. He struck out under 20% of the time, walked over 10% of the time. Like, if he had any batted ball luck in the first half, like, this is, like, the top one. Like, everyone's like league winning first baseman right you know uh that's how good brandon jury was and i don't see a reason why he can't uh christian walker christian walker yeah Yeah. Uh, sorry christian walker yes sorry no you're good you're good um 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm back in everything you're saying, Steve. I love the plate discipline, and I think there could be. I mean, this is a little uh, speculation, but hear me out. 2019 and 2020, the hard hit rate was around 49 percent, which is markedly higher than it was in 2021 and this past year. So there might even be room for improvement, especially when you consider that in 21, he dealt with an oblique issue where he went on the IL more than once. And I'm wondering if last year was just pretty much like a get right season where he stayed healthy. One thing that really jumps off is basically the the changes against fastballs. So in 2021, uh, uh, Walker batted 194 with a 349 slug against fastballs, and last year batted 253, so up 60 points there with a 584 slug compared to that 349. So, crushing fastballs, uh, you know, a full healthy season, and yeah, like you said, I mean, if it's if it's something where his average can even come up a little bit, man, this is an absolute steal. And in our in our draft. Uh, let's see, he went 120 overall. So that was after a guy like C.J. Crone, where I'm kind of thinking maybe this is the new C.J. Crone and we shouldn't be taking him after. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I'd much rather have uh, Christian Walker um, than C.J. Crone, despite uh, that chorus field bump. Um, you know, we saw maybe, maybe that's some recency bias with how bad Crone was in the second half. He did start out on fire. Who knows? Maybe there was some some injury or something bothering him that uh, was going on there. But I think cost in- inclusive and just looking at like the underlying metrics, like Christian Walker is, uh, you know, uh, his, his stat cast page is is bright red, um, just all around the board. So. Uh, I, I like Walker a lot. I think he could be a great value uh, in 2023. It's a treat. Uh, the, the verdict is in. So on to the next hitter and our final hitter. It's it's one we've mentioned, Steve, but I think it's also one that, uh, again, will be kind of a tough one to make sense of, and it's Andres Jimenez with the Guardians, uh, who had a great season, batted 297. I love the 371 OP, OBP, mm-hmm. and even a 466 slug. Translated on the back of the baseball card, 17 homers, 20 steals, offering the speed there. It's the counting stats that really kind of held his, his overall rank down, just 66 runs, 69 RBIs, because he was kind of just stuck in the, the middle part of that Guardians order. I'm shocked that he didn't move up with his speed and, and his ability to get on base, but maybe that's where some upside is. However, you got to pay for the speed. As we all know, he went 90th in our mock draft. Mm-hmm. So this is one where uh, I'm really curious, Steve. I, I don't have my mind made up, but I think there's enough to be excited about. I just don't know how that translates to you know, when you're going to kind of hitch your 7th, 8th round draft pick to somebody. Yeah, I, I, I... It's a tough one. These are these are tough profiles to to gauge. Just whenever it's propped up by the steals, kind of like Swanson is this year, um, it's hard to be like, all right, am I just paying for like an empty steals guy? Is this just like look nice because he had seventeen homers and twenty steals? Uh, what do I do here? <sighs> that being said, I think I'm gonna lean more treat on this one. Um, the the plate skills are 
are are are are good and good enough. He improved on the the strikeout rate this year, upped his walk rate a little bit. Um, so sure, yeah, a lot of that OBP is in that two ninety seven average, but he seems like a guy that has a a, a good hit tool, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna bottom out and go back to that you know uh, two eighteen average that he struggled with um, in twenty twenty one his first year with Cleveland. Um, you saw it with the Mets uh, when he first came up. He had two sixty three in that shortened season and looked. You know, you saw you saw the upside with with that hit tool and some and some decent pop, and he got eight steals that year in just fifty games. So um, this was kind of like the proration of that first year with the Mets, maybe with a little more power than you could you could have even expected. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, at, at age twenty four, he's kind of growing into that. Has a decent max exit velocity, sixty first percentile. Right, he's at that uh, one hundred nine, which is that's more than enough raw power, right? For sure to, to back up those, those 18 homers or 17 homers that he had. So, um, I think this is a good one to, to pay up for. I, I know that you could kind of poke some holes and see that the, the average exit Lilo and the hard hit percentage isn't great. And neither is the barrel rate, but I don't think you're going to get that from, from this, like just profile of a guy, right? Like if you're just looking at that with at the, yeah, 5'11 second baseman I don't think you're going it's kind of like fitting a square peg in a round hole with with that uh, profile so 15 homers 20 steals with like a 270 average is kind of like a floor Uh, I like it yeah yeah I think the steals are legit if if you look kind of just simply at his games played throughout his career Mm -hmm. with his stolen bases it's pretty much all tracked consistently to be a 20 20 plus steals guy he's super efficient on the base paths again i think there is uh some room for him to slide up in the order it's the it's the pop where i don't know that i'm buying that he's like 17 homer type of of guy but i think if you are looking at him next to a a tommy edmund for example which might be a popular Uh comparison I, i think it's reasonable that there's a little bit more pop 15 homers Maybe up to 25 steals, probably around a 275 average, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I think that at this at this spot in the draft, that's that's kind of a good way to go. It's just the the one thing that worries me a little bit is there is a lot of whiff in his game to only have a 20 percent uh, strikeout rate. So I wonder if that might have a little bit of regression and pull down. Uh, the average, but I think if you bake that in and don't count on him being a 300 hitter, um, I like it. I don't think I'm going to be necessarily targeting Jimenez, but if my drafts are shaking out to where I really need speed, and that's obviously a positional need, I don't think I'm going to run away from it, you know? Yeah, and this is kind of like dumbing down the analysis here, but like, how many guys that have 20 steals had an 8 37 OPS and a 140 WRC plus, right? Like when you look at like your 20 plus steel guys, like a lot of the times you're talking about like, okay, is this guy going to be able to hit enough to like keep his everyday job and like have an OPS over 650, right? Like he had an 837 OPS last year. That's pretty rare from like your speed first guys, which kind of what um, Jimenez might be, but I think he's a better hitter than most. So uh, I I think I might be targeting him a bit next year. 
Okay, so potential target. I mean, we'll, you know, that also is a good, it's a good pitching spot of the draft as well. Sure, it's, it's, sure. You know, I know that I don't have to convince you on that. But yes. Yeah, that overall, though, I think uh, we're at least in the middle, if not uh, calling it a treat with Jimenez. Uh, so that, that kind of rounds out the hitter side of this, Steve. And we got a, a nice slate of five pitchers we're going to get into as well. But first, we're going to take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back. All right, Steve, I'm dying to talk about uh, a player who has basically been a, a bit of a, a gamer cheat in my home league for the manager who's always winning. And it's Framber Valdez, who he just continues to have kind of this Astros devil magic, if I can say that as a mm-hmm. Cardinals fan. Sure. And, I'll allow uh, it. You know, it throughout the playoffs and just in general, he seems to always overperform his, his underlying metrics. And at some point, you kind of got to scratch your head and be like, this seems like it is legit and potentially undervalued. So, Fromber, just to, to rattle off the stats, 17-6 and six record, plenty of wins there with the Astros, which I know is one of your, your lessons learned, Steve, and I agree that we need, to, we need to look for some wins where we can find them. 200 innings pitched, 194 Ks, a 282 ERA, and a 116 whip. So, a phenomenal year for Valdez. I think what probably jumps out first for us is that the K rate isn't as high as some of the names that he's being drafted around. Um, and then, like I said, the the underlying stuff, you know, a, a 331 XERA, so, you know, about a half a run higher than his actual stats. Um, but, yeah, a lot we can break down here. I've got my thoughts, but I want to open it up, see what see what you're thinking on on Fromber. Yeah, Fromber's like always an auto avoid for me, just because he doesn't get the K's. Like I'm, I'm a sucker for that, and it's definitely a blind spot in in my process for looking at pitchers. I mean, 2021 he had a 70 percent ground ball rate. Last year he had a 67.4 percent ground ball rate. So. Like you're not gonna do any damage when basically everything that it's just insane. Like uh, you know, to add, if you add in what pop ups were this year, that was at two point four five percent. Like, dude, seventy percent of the, the balls of player ground in. balls or pop ups. What? Let me jump in here because I was already marveling at that, and then I, I jumped over to fan graphs and was looking at like batted ball leaderboards. The, the first one they show is the ground ball to fly ball rate, which uh-huh. is kind of a weird stat. But yep. Fromber is number one in the league with a ground ball to fly ball rate of 4.16, <laughs> which doesn't mean a ton for the average listener. But the second place guy beneath Fromber's 4.16 was Logan Webb at 2.38. So he is almost Double. twice as good as any <laughs> other leader when it comes to getting grounders over fly balls. And I was just like, holy smokes, man. You, like, add that in with the fact that he's top 25 at, like, soft contact. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just starts to make sense. And, and he then bumped he up can... the K rate, too, to, to 23.5%. So, like, if that happens, then... It's not nothing, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. like with the volume, because you, you don't need a 30% strikeouts. strikeout rate when you're getting 70% ground balls, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like his sinker velo climbed from 92.5 up to 94. Um, The curveball itself is a really good whiff pitch. So I think he's just really found his groove as a pitcher. Now, whether or not, you know, that'll get adjustments, who's to say, but overall looking at our draft, the fact that he went, 
pick 101. So I don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure that was probably like SP20, something like that. Yeah, maybe maybe um, further. There were some pitcher runs in there, but yeah, I, and and also the fact that he doesn't have to rely on the strikeout. He's able to go longer in games. I mean, he was one of what three or four guys that had 200 innings this year. So um, I, I know that was a career high, and he went just 134 the year before. But I I, I don't see why he can't do something similar with this with this profile again next year so i think it's a i think it's a treat for sure i i think you might be on the same page there yep for sure and he uh yeah it looks like more like sp beyond 30 so you're right he was kind of wedged in between robbie ray and tristan mckenzie um but yeah overall i think this is just a really reliable guy that you can kind of count on some volume and wins which i know we we talked about like we're, we're not always looking at that we're looking at you know the stuff and we're looking at and know, i mean different... hey if you want to do like a a sexy high strikeout upside guy like a hunter green like sp3 mm-hmm. like this is a great sp2 you know to grab to pair him with because it's just so reliable and a solid profile to you know you can make up with k's and in those fun you know sexier picks right yeah, or, or like uh, we were talking about Cease and Strider last yes. episode. Like it could be a good follow-up there. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I like it. And let's keep rolling, Steve, to another guy with, honestly, kind of a similar profile. He gets a lot of wins. Um, the the strikeouts are lackluster. But Tyler Anderson had a fascinating year here with uh, a 15-5 and five record, 178 innings, so the volume was there. But the K is quite a bit down at 138. The ratios were pristine, a 2.57 ERA with a one whip. Um, thoughts on Tyler Anderson? He, he's another one that you know you're, you're not going to have to to pay up nearly as much, but kind of a similar mold here in that he's not going to strike out the side, so he kind of falls off our radar a little bit. But what are your thoughts on on Anderson? Yeah, this one this one's harder for me to buy into. Um, I know he's a free agent this year, so that's going to play a big factor in mm-hmm. in his valuation um and with this you know it's it's easier to to write off a, a 23% strikeout rate which is better than um Anderson's 19.5% uh comparing him to to Fromber um when Fromber has a, a 60 to 70% ground ball rate and Anderson's just at 40% uh, it was one of the better ones and better than the last two years but it, it, it's still I'm finding it harder to look and say oh this is why Anderson was successful right there's nothing that jumps off the page to me other than you know maybe a, a, a 256 BABIP and the the highest left on base percentage of his career um, you know that that he was a bit fortunate I know still the XERA and FIP are still in like the mid to low threes but the XFIP was at 411 uh, the Sierra was at 404, so I, I think it might be more of a high three ZRA um, with not that many strikeouts. Uh, it, it's harder for me to buy in on, on what Anderson just did, uh, despite the unbelievable surface numbers and great year that he had. So I, I hate that Anderson is a free agent because right away that 
you know, that's going to sap uh-huh. the, the win total for sure. However, I might let me let me attempt to convince a little bit here, sure. Steve, because he went in the twentieth round in our mock draft, which is you know at that point you're looking at free very in a twelve team rotation. league. That's free, yeah. And unfortunately, that's also a spot where you are looking for the Upside. stuff type of pitchers that could yeah that could explode. But here are some things that that I do like about Anderson. He is a, a top ten in the league fly ball pitcher, which is scary, but. He is 98th percentile on hard hits, which I know isn't, you know, a metric that's completely controlled uh, all the time by pitchers. I know we talk about that that's one that's that's influenced by hitters more often than not. But the fact that he's he's fifth in the league in soft contact, that that to me points back to that 6.4 percent home run to fly ball rate. He his best pitch is a changeup, and he threw it seven percent of the, or seven more percent of the time last year, up to like 32%. So I just think that there's, like the XBA against was 225. Like I think that he has a little bit of like deception. And yeah, I don't want to completely hit chase rate um, last year, 95th this year. So there, there's definitely some deception there for sure. And, and that's where like the, the XERA is at like a 310. I, I get that he is, he is never going to be um, – you know the strikeout guy with this current pitch mix and everything, and if he ends up in a a hitter friendly ballpark as his home field, I, I don't want to touch this because of the fly ball rate. But that late in the draft, if I've got a ton of volatility throughout my staff, it might not like I, I could see where maybe he could sneak into this like Kyle Hendricks type of uh, stabilizer for a rotation. So I'm not completely out, but I get that it's an unfortunate thing that like at that spot of the draft, you mm-hmm. usually don't want like a glue guy. Um, so I, I hear you on all the concerns. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, the, the combination of him being such a fly ball pitcher with such a, you know, an ability to, to induce soft contact, it seems. Yeah. Despite the low K rate, all of the hard hit metrics and batted ball metrics are really good paired with a good chase rate. That's telling me that, Hitters are not swinging and and hitting the pitches that they want to hit. That there's some deception there, that he's getting his swings that he wants, and hitters aren't getting off their swings. If that's making any sense when when looking mm-hmm. at his his slider profile, so um, that's a that's a good way to pitch it there. I, I I like it. Yeah. So closing closing note on the the soft contact is he was number five in the majors, and then the names that top ten list is. Chris Bassett, Sandy Alcantara, Julio Arias, Justin Verlander, Tyler Anderson, Shohei Otani, Max Fried, Joe Musgrove, Quintana, and then Michaelis. So it's definitely saying, like, I hope he's Quintana. You know what I mean? That type of a, a mold. But it's just a – it's good company to be in. But maybe it was, uh, you know, kind of a – oh, uh, who was uh, – I'm – Blanking on Phillies, Ranger Suarez Ranger type Suarez, of thing, where sure. it's like, yeah, yes. how much can you bank on the, sure. the soft contact and everything? Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, the next one that I, I wanted to look at, Steve, was Alec Manoa, um, and Manoa is is again of this mold that you can count on the volume. There's a wins total with Toronto, but the strikeouts aren't quite the same. 196 innings, 180 Ks, a 224 ERA, and a .99 whip. 
Now, Manoa was taken at pick 42 in our pitcherless mock draft, so the name value's there, and this is, you know, with his age and his prospect pedigree, it's one you got to pay up for. So, opening the floor, uh, curious on your thoughts here for uh, Manoa and and what you think on him. Yeah, I don't know why Manoa doesn't get more strikeouts. Like, he, all of his pitches have a worth percentage. Like, the lowest one is the sinker at 16.1%, which... That's good for a sinker uh, to have that much swing and miss. Um, his two other ones are above 20%, the slider up to 32%. So he gets a lot of whiffs. It just they're, they're all strikingly low put-away percentages. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's, like, some strikeout upside, if there's, like, some sequencing or just, like, some tweaking that he could do. Um, you know, to to get that K rate to go up because everything else, and you know, you watch Manoa and he's an ace. And last year, despite not having a strikeout per inning, I would still consider him a fantasy ace. Like he was that good. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that you know, uh, if he could sort of pair the 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 lower walk rate that he had this year with even just twenty twenty one's strikeout rate of twenty seven percent, like that would bump Manoa into like, okay, now he's like being, you know, uh, on the question of being a, a top 10 pitcher. And if he's not drafted as like a top 20 pitcher, I know he has some name brand and a lot of people like him. Um, and, you know, it was a really low ERA uh, at 224. So I, I, I just think that th- there is some strikeout upside and he could take that that next step and if there is any bit of a discount if like people look too much into that that the lower strikeout rate for an sp1 i think it's a great great back end uh buy as your sp1 if there is any discount there but there just might not be because the surface numbers were just so so good yeah the surface numbers uh are gonna gonna have them you know up there but i don't know if when when draft season settles, I, I am curious if he he will be going this high. Um, but that said, yeah, I mean everything you brought up, Steve, is like you know the the slider is really what had dropped the most as like a put away pitch from twenty one to twenty two. So that this would be a good one to read like a deep dive, you know, on on everything going on with Manoa. Um, but yeah, I mean six foot six the extension is great which is why you can't put too much stock into the fact that like his fastball is only 94 i think that plays up quite a bit with his length and everything um so i i like it as a just the player himself i did put here i'm curious knowing that basically fromber is going 60 picks later I mean, what's the the argument there? Just that Manoa is going to take that step forward on strikeouts yeah, and be at I, least I, a strikeout per inning. That's that's what you would tell yourself, yes. Okay. And just watching right. Manoa, like you know, he has the the, and it's probably biased, but yeah, you know, he's more of a the prototypical ace than like a ground ball master, right? Like he has the stuff to be someone that strikes out at least someone once once an inning, like a nine K per nine, right? Yeah, the twenty six percent whiff rate on a, a fastball, like you know, that the the pitching experts always talk about the fact that if, if you have a good fastball, that's you know that's the, a hell of a way to start mm-hmm. on being an ace. And Manoa has a twenty six percent rate on his fastball, 
and on Fromber's sinker, it's a 12% whiff rate. So case in point, that one is inducing contact, the other one is is getting whiffed. So, um, yeah, it'll be a good one to, to keep tabs on this season. But I think uh, maybe somewhere in between on trick or treat, it just sounds like we, we do like Manoa. Yeah. Um, Steve, talk to me about Martin Perez. It's quite a drop on the draft board from Manoa, but uh, certainly great volume with the 196 innings, 169 Ks. Another guy with a sub-3 ERA on the season at just 289. But, and it's a big but there, the whip of 126. This is like the uh, the reverse Aaron Nola of, of low ERA and high whip, which causes some questions. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Perez? Yeah, it's like he just kept up the first half from Boston uh, last year. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Nick's read up. It was a Vargas rule that kind of lasted the the whole year. Maybe we need an update uh, to to a Martin Perez rule, although he really didn't have that sort of major drop off that he had at least in 2021 with the Red Sox. When I think he was like left off playoff rosters, despite you know uh, his great first half and the the numbers showed yeah. it too. He finished with a four seven four ERA this year. He still held uh, kept an ERA under three, like you said. Uh, this one it's like Tyler Anderson just kind of worse for me (laughs) like Mm -hmm. uh, you know Anderson has that elite walk rate Uh, Perez isn't you know horrible but he's more you know 8.4 percent that's close to league average I I think I'm buying like the 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 ERA indicators here an ex-ERA of 359 FIP of 327 ex-FIP of 380 uh this is more, uh, you know, a good streamer slash Toby for me next year, back end yeah. guy, and I, I think you can carry over a Vargas rule and just sort of wait for the shoot to drop uh, uh, next year. Although Texas had had some success, like with the, with these older veteran pitchers, so hey, maybe maybe there's that. Uh, he is a free agent though uh, this year, so we'll we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth when you said he's the Toby um, because it does seem like that. The the one weird thing about Perez is it, it just seems like he always has a, a month, you know, where it's like yep. it just complete showstopper. And the, and the Ks will climb up sometimes, you know, uh, seven, seven strikeouts in six innings versus the Red Sox this year. Uh, seven and six innings against the, the Mariners. So he, he'll have a month where he's like, four and oh with a with a one era but it, it does seem like it happens early on in the season so maybe just try to ride and, and stream that but overall yeah i don't think we can expect anything close to a, a three era for someone with this this profile and it just doesn't seem like he has like you said the control or you know it, it's it's not like a clear fly ball or ground ball pitcher it just seems like there's been quite a bit of uh, good luck when you look at some of the X metrics next to everything. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, beyond just the, the obvious that this one is a trick, at least on the stat line, um, if there's anything to add there. I mean, pitcher comps, Brad Keller, yeah, yeah. it sounds like yeah, that. That sounds exactly like what, like what it is. Maybe, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't think I'm going to be too upset if I miss out on another Martin Perez uh, yeah. year again if he repeats, so. Okay, let's end with a with a more exciting yeah, one. Yeah, I'm excited about this name, Luis Severino, who was exciting last year. He was kind of in that uh, 
you know, Syndergaard pack of like injured uh, former ace studs and what, what would happen with them. And I think he's going to have some of those same types of question marks just because it's been weird. So he, he comes back from uh, TJ. Then he has a, a, a weird season after he gets some run with a, a lat strain, hits the 60-day IL, tough postseason outings. But overall, I think the, the glimpse we saw of Severino in 100 innings was solid. The 318 ERA, the, the one whip, and over a strikeout per inning is, is probably enough. That some of the velo looked really good, Steve. I think I think there's uh, there's reason for excitement here. I think this is much more just about like how far you turn the dial on on confidence. Yeah, I think the only thing sort of holding Severino back was the fact that they just need to ease him into a hundred innings. I think that was probably their target. I know that there was an IL stint and he got put on the sixty day and didn't want to but I really think the Yankees just had this number in mind and wanted to keep him around 100 and I don't blame him he you're looking at his you know year log on on Fangraphs it's like six innings eight innings in the playoffs 12 innings and then all you have to go back all the way to 2018 for when he had 191 uh, and you know in 2017 he had 193 so really heavy workloads then and all that injury you know but he was a Cy Young candidate uh, in in those years, so I really think it was just a matter of the Yankees just watching his innings. And now that he has a hundred under his belt this year. I think it'll be sort of all systems go next year. And like you said, everything under the hood looked really, really good. A twenty seven percent, twenty eight percent strikeout rate, just seven point four percent walk rate. Like this looks like the Severino that we saw maybe not in 2017 when like it looked like he could win the Cy Young. Maybe, you know, I know 2018 was still really good, just a little bit toned down, but that was still like a top 20 pitcher. And I think Severino, like as long as the innings are there, and I think now he has shown that he could for 100, like uh, I don't see why not next year, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be his age 29 season. I think we got to remind ourselves that, you know, he's not 35 years old yeah. just because it seems like he's it's been so long since he's been, you know, it's almost like a Corey Kluber type of thing of like the last time he was an ace. Mm-hmm. That said, you know, this this price is a little bit, um, you know, it's not nothing. He, he's one pitcher after Tyler Glass now. You know, that, a, a name that goes near him, Steve, that we kind of like is like a Tristan McKenzie. Um, if if you had that side by side, put you on the spot a little bit, w- would you lean Severino over McKenzie? Oh, I'll go Severino there. I know it's a tough one. It's close, but I'd go Severino. Yeah, I think I agree. And, and um, again, I, the, the velo is up there. It wasn't like you said, like 2017 mm-hmm. years, but it's still excellent at mm-hmm. like 96 and yeah, change. Yeah, really encouraging coming off all of those injuries for sure. Yeah, so he's using the the changeup more than he has in the past. It, it does get some whiffs. I think, um, yeah, th- this one is one that I'm definitely on board with. I, I, I'm really curious to see where his ADP lands. If we can get a little bit of a discount because there's so many good pitchers in that range, yeah. that would be amazing. But I think it's probably going to have to be around pick on pick 100 um that's the or, good range to take pictures like though you know like that if someone mckenzie goes like i'm cool with with taking severino and having a, a target there you know yeah absolutely 
Okay, so that rounds us out, Steve. I know it was uh, uh, kind of a lightning round on a lot of these names, yes, sir, uh, but this is, yeah, this is great. Uh, now, you you off watching the uh, playoff baseball oh, tonight? Oh, yeah, uh, Phillies are already, uh, they just look like the team of destiny, man. I think the World Series will probably be over next time we talk, but they're up 4 nothing. Harper homered. It's just crazy how uh, it just seems like they can't lose right now, but it's been a great playoffs and excited for these last few games in the World Series. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just uh, it's cool to see Harper having his yeah, moment. Yeah, for and, sure, uh, for sure. I'm always down for a little uh, cheer against whoever's playing the Astros. <laughs> so, you know that too. But yeah. it's uh, yeah, this is great, man. I know uh, we'll be back on in a couple weeks. I think you and I might have our uh, Nick Pollock hot seat podcast. Yep, I'm in doing between uh, that time. My bowl predictions recap. So maybe we could do that as a uh, as a tentative next show topic. Uh, there love it so yeah absolutely yep. yeah and, and talk about some different uh different names yep. there so all right folks all that right. rounds us out for uh episode 78 thank you guys for tuning in all off season you guys can email us wins above fantasy at gmail.com i'm van you can find me on twitter at van underscore verified and steve is at stav 8818 as always guys thanks for talking baseball with us and enjoy the world series thanks for listening guys later